You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hey everyone, welcome to season two of the Guide Post. Really excited to have our chairman on here with me today, uh, Peter Jenkins, owner of Saltwater Edge. And the reason why we're bringing Peter on board uh, today is we're going to talk about an access issue that's local to Rhode Island. But I think all of our listeners know that no issues are really local. It's the same stuff, just different places. Uh, they deal with the same fisheries problems on the Pacific coast that we deal out here. The fish just look a little different. So Peter, welcome to the guidepost. Thank you. It's nice to be here. What happened? What, what, what's happening in Rhode Island, buddy? I know you gave, I know you testified last week. What's, what the heck is going on? Sure. Um, no, I think, uh, and it was, it's interesting because I think that, like you pointed out already, these are problems that uh, fishermen have everywhere, right? Um, and they just have different maybe iterations to them or slightly different versions. But for us in Rhode Island, um, we're losing access. Um, you know, in our constitution, um, we have a right to access the shore for fishing and the gathering of seaweed, you know, um, which back in colonial times meant a two-tire track to the water. And their space rather evenly all across Rhode Island. But of course, they've had um, benches put in there and gardens planted in there. And, you know, it's between individuals and clubs, if you will, and towns that have uh, worked to, to uh, decrease uh, the access the public has to the, to the water. And in Rhode Island, it's a constitutional right. So um, Sea level rise has also complicated that because the rule, the uh, law that they had in Rhode Island really doesn't do, um, isn't very practical to use these days. It's about an 18, I think it's 16 and a half year or something like that, mean low or mean high. I don't even know the specific details, but it takes a degree to figure out where the boundary line is. So, um, and I, I think this issue will be happening everywhere else. Everywhere else that the, the you know the environment's changing the 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 sea the seacoast the the shoreline right. So um, this is how it popped up in Rhode Island. But anyway, last uh, last Thursday I testified uh, with uh, Rich Hittinger at the State House, and um, the uh, person who preceded us was a property rights lawyer, and uh, that was a handful. But um, it was pretty. Uh, I don't like him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like him already. That's all you right, needed exactly. to say. He wrote, he wrote I don't two like books. It. You know, hey, hey, you know, Peter, you should have looked at him and said, "Possessions nine tenths of the law, fruitcake, get out of here." Yeah, that's it. That's that's well, when he, he walked he, in the room. He, somebody uh, should have read for an hour and fifteen minutes, ten pages of legal. You know, I know there's a reason for legal stuff, but it sounded like mumbo jumbo. You know, and uh, and. Um, well, the point he made is that my constitutional law professor on the first day said um, that property loves certainty. And so when I sat down, I said, Mother Nature, not so much. You know, it's just like it's not, you know, there's some <laughs> things here that are, that are 
you know, the rule, if I have the rule, all the rules you want, there's some practical things going on here relating to access. You know, access is a term that's thrown around quite a bit. Good point. And some people would say, I don't have access to this fishery. And what they're really saying is, I want the limits to be higher so I can kill more fish. You're actually talking about physical access. <laughs> yeah. Yes. To park your stinking car and walk right. on the beach and fish in the water that uh, nobody should own, right? I mean, right. That right. that's the way I would use access. I think to use access. No, I mean that's that's day one, Peter. I think to use access any other way is deceptive, disingenuous. Yeah, disingenuous. Right. Exactly right. So it's totally um, just, it's totally deceptive because there's people dealing with real access issues, like right. I can't fish here anymore because, you know, uh, Gloria Vanderbilt's eighth grandchild built a $40 billion mansion with a tennis court on my favorite stretch of beach. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to bring this up because I said, everything's, everything's the same. It's just a little different. Yeah. So this is kind of the same and a little different, but it's an access issue. So you know, piping plovers. Mm -hmm. There's like four of them left kind of thing. And on the beaches in Delaware, there's like pretty much one big state park that's very similar to like Sandy Hook in New Jersey. Close a good chunk of it down in the summertime because there may be, not there is, there may be a piping plover. And you know, I'll, hey, look, I respect, I get it. I, all the bird people out there, don't send me nasty emails. Like, this not, is not the point I'm trying to make. But there'd be a lot more piping plovers around if just south of that state park that there wasn't one $10 million mansion after another. Mm. So that's where their habitat was. And the last place for their habitat is at Cape Henlopen State Park. And I can't fish there for like a couple of months out of the year because there may be one piping plover mm -hmm. yeah. that lands there and is like, oh, I'm going to lay my eggs in the surf because that's a good strategy for survival. But I digress. So, you know, it's almost the same thing with you guys. Like, it's your culture, right? Tell, mm -hmm. me, tell us a little bit about the culture of Rhode Island fishermen. You own the largest tackle shop in Rhode Island. I think you may have this dialed in because like, okay, I'll just, I'll say this to kind of, I'll say, Peter, let me say this to set you up. Okay. If you don't have a boat in Maryland, you're not fishing. Mm -hmm. There is no access. Every square inch of the Chesapeake Bay is covered in homes. There's very few boat ramps. There is no, you know, yeah, okay, we got Chincoteague and Assateague on the, on the coast. And yes, we can fish there, but that's like it. And a little bit of Ocean City. That's a tiny, tiny little stretch of ocean. Like every square inch of your shoreline is productive. I've seen it. It's beautiful. Right. The water's clean. You have strong tides. You have rocks everywhere. This is the culture of your people. Am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, um, you know, in, in Rich, the guy that I testified with, um, you know, he provided a couple of really compelling pieces of data from the NOAA Fisheries Economics Report, you know, and I t suggest anybody who's going to 
get involved in an access issue in any state, they use some of this economic data to make our case. Because here in Rhode Island, actually, recreational fishing is a little larger, on the order of maybe 10% larger than commercial fishing. And that's true in a lot of cases. It's uh, especially true in Florida, I think, Tony, right? That, that recreational is much more valuable than uh, commercial fishing. So, um, you know, over 60% of the recreational trips in Rhode Island were shore-based trips. And that the, uh, so the, of the licenses that DEM sells, uh, more than half of them are used for surf casting, shore fishing, right? And it, it's more than uh, double either of the for hire or private boat. So it, it is fishing in Rhode Island, is shore fishing, right? I mean, it's the majority yeah. of what the, so it is the culture, right? And uh, recreational fishing contributed um, 363 million that I now, this is from 1920, 19, 2018. So I know I, the number I've heard most recently is something closer to 410. Um, million for what the recreational contribution is. And then on top of that, when I do um, hill walks uh, for ASGA, one of the first things I tell um, our representatives when we sit down with them is um, that over uh, uh, half the licenses purchased in Rhode Island are purchased by people from out of state. That's called tourism. So they come here to fish from the shore, to access the shore. And um, you know, it's it's like I said, it's a right of our constitution. And can you imagine some dad? Can you imagine some dad packing his kids up mm. and driving a couple of hours to Rhode Island and telling them about how he used to catch fish on this beach with his dad, and he gets to the beach and he can't find yeah. a parking spot and he's not allowed to step foot on it because somebody. I mean, right. you know, just like the abject disappointment, I, and I'm sure it's happened. You lose this parking spot in that town that, you know, um, and you lose this one over here or they they plant uh, rose bushes in the access that, you know, previously existed. Um, so, uh, you know, we have an organization called CRMC that's supposed to be managing some of this, but there's real questions about how they're actually made up and whether they represent, um, you know, the, the Rhode Island uh, demographic itself. It's probably most certainly lopsided towards... Um, development, you know? So the other way to think of this as well is we've mixed two things here. We're talking about access to the shore and parking your car. So really access breaks down two ways to literally horizontal access, which is to get to the shore and perpendicular access, which is along the shore. And they're both under assault and you need both to uh, have to have effective access, right? So a real trick yeah. is to eliminate the, the horizontal access, the parking spots, and like towns do that. I have a, a clam bait club here in town that uh, has a right of way directly beside its property in two parking spots that have been there forever. Um, and uh, they put rather large boulders in the parking spots just to take them away. Um, and, you know, the, the one of the points I made in the state house was recreational fishing uh, is a large um, diverse group. I mean, some people fish for food, some people fish to be with their kids, some people fish to get away from their kids, some people fish because their grandfather taught them. There's, you know, you ask somebody why they fish, boy, and you're going to get hundreds of reasons, right? And so as such, it's hard to rally that group to um, deal with a specific issue. Yet you have a homeowner who's very concerned about 400, you know, 400 feet of oceanfront. Um, it's very easy to focus his efforts, you know? So, um, it's been a frustrating scenario over time here because we've lost a lot of access and literally 
death by a thousand cuts, one parking spot at a time. So, um, you know, the, the purpose of, of going to, to test. And once you lose it, you don't get it back. Right. It's very hard to get them back. Um, it, right. That, that's correct. So um, the CRMC was talking about how they created, um, you know, something thousand feet of oceanfront of, you know, of frontage along uh, um, Narragansett Bay. But basically it was a ring in an industrial area in Providence. Yes, it's access to the water. Yes, but it's in the middle of, you know, a very urban uh, uh, setting is part of a, um, you know, part of a redevelopment initiative. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, sand and Spartina and the kind of ocean, you know, that you, you think of as, uh, as oceanfront. So anyway, um, we lose these spots any number of reasons, very hard to get them back. And, um, you know, for, uh, for, for um, you know, my visit to uh, the state house. Uh, and the testimony, um, the thing I tried to emphasize uh, is that um, these rights of, you know, we have here in Rhode Island were granted to us in the Constitution. It's part, part of why Roger Williams went to get a um, royal order. I think it's called a royal order. I had that memorized last week. But Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New York, or maybe not New York, Massachusetts, all have these same kind of things. They're part of their original chartering documents of the various states in the Commonwealth, right? Uh, or states in the union. So, um, you know, uh, it's, um, so if you have a dynamic oceanfront, sea level rise or, or wind driven tides and all the different things that make, um, the, uh, um, you know, shoreline, a dynamic place, and you want to have and maintain this access, that's our right. You have to come up with, um, uh, a couple things, you know, one is a, um, you know, practical boundary, something that's easy to interpret. Um, you know, and to me, that's probably the rack line, which is what the deposits of the, of the, um, seaweed after a high tide, you know, and that moves with, uh, seasons, but it's, you know, clearly visible because there's two things you want here. You want to have protect access to the shore because the constitution actually says to freely enjoy the shore. Well, you're not freely enjoying the shore if you think your car is going to get towed or you're worried you're trespassing, right? So um, ideally, it's a visible um, kind of easy to interpret thing. But on the other hand, for law enforcement and property owners who have rights, right, they they want to be able to define uh, when you're trespassing. That's only that's the other side of that coin. And that's, that's something else we need to protect. So, um, you know, ideally, the thought is, uh, do, could we have a four foot wide sidewalk, if you will, which everyone can visualize the sidewalk immediately um, uh, uptide of the rack line. And that would be your dynamic moving, but still uh, easy to interpret um, access, you know, um, and I'm sure other states, I know other states are dealing with this. Some other states don't have as much uh, water access as we do, but um, you know, at one point, um, there was, well, you know, Peter, Peter, believe it or not, believe it or not, there's a lot of back and forth in Virginia rivers that have, you know, these, these big estates yeah. on them and you're not even allowed to walk in the middle of the river. Yeah. You know, that's, they made it somebody's property. Right. And the same thing is going on out West where you have like, Colorado you know, these, that way. The, the yeah, ranch owner yeah, these, the these movies. Oh yeah. Yeah, these these movie star idiots who want to move out to Montana, 
and you know you know love the wildlife and they just cut off Everyone's two miles of the river yeah yeah oh yeah you're gonna let me tell you go to the local barbecue joint let me let me know how that works out for you <laughs> you know they're gonna they're gonna throttle you within an inch of your life um so you know i i when we were talking about this you know we we were able to speak the morning that you that you did this yeah. um and we were kind of going back and forth you were you were educating me on the issue and i was kind of telling you you know stuff that i had worked on that was you know possibly had some similarities and you said something that made me so proud i mean it just i was in my heart my heart just like filled up and you said you know man fishermen are, are disorganized and i'm going to go there and i'm going to give a voice to the people who don't have a voice mm -hmm. and and yep. you know man that's the wheel that is the wheelhouse of like what we believe in at the guides association Absolutely. we are not going to represent we're not going to represent shimano we're not going to represent yamaha we're going to represent the little guy who doesn't have a voice mm -hmm. and um and you know go taking taking time out of your life and going to the state house because you do you know with with what you do for a living your voice matters it's bigger than the a normal person's voice when it comes to fishing mm -hmm. and to stand up for the people that that buy stuff from your store and you've probably watched their kids grow up probably had some of their kids work for you i mean that's what it's all about and that's you know it's times like that when i'm like we got the right chairman you know <laughs> like he's doing this after his guides association junk after he's mailing out boxes i i appreciate that it was it was pretty good the lawyer guy you know um said, well, I'm here, you know, pro bono. And I sat down, I said, I guess, I, you know, I have, I could, should be, could be back at my shop running that. So I guess I'm here pro bono too, you know, cause it's, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like, <laughs> the hell? cause he bills hours, his time's more important than yours, yeah, ridiculous. right? Ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's absurd. So Peter, like, what's the, is there an answer to this? Like, is there, is there something that nothing's going to make everyone happy, but is right. there something that's palatable? Well, I think it's the idea. Yeah. You, know, you have to recognize that the environment is a dynamic uh, thing and you can't legislate. Right. So back when things were maybe call it more stable or something, um, you could have some expectations that things would stay largely the same. We've witnessed things are changing, you know? And so um, the, um, you know, whether it's uh, the, these recent high tides or whatever, um, they're going to um, change uh, the ocean front. And so having a practical, easy to interpret um, boundary, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there was a situation a couple of months ago in the summer, I think, uh, either this or last, but um, they arrested a guy for collecting seaweed. He was doing it, you know, intentionally. Collecting seaweed. I read that. Yes. I read that. Scott, it, he was needling them, though. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, you know, and yeah. so the police arrested him. Uh, and then the town um, had to settle with him for 25 grand. So now the police don't arrest anybody. And, but the homeowners, and let me read you a quote from one of the homeowners. This is really, when I did my slides, I had this as my last slide, and I didn't use it, but I put it up. So if anyone's reading the deck on the, whatever the, television screen they discuss yeah. so the title the, the slide was titled guess what and it's a quote from this guy keith wilcox my take is when the state and town beaches allow people to start fires on their beach fish play cornhole, drink get naked and litter their stuff all over then guess what 
I'll let people on my beach too. Property owner, Keith Wilcox. And, um, you know, I said, I don't think fishing or cone holes illegal, but uh, drinking, getting naked and setting fires. Well, that's illegal. And so is trespassing, but they're not, you know, you're just throwing out distractions to the reality that this, the ocean front's dynamic and what you quote owned, the ocean has asked for, you know, I mean, it isn't um, a, uh, it isn't a, um, you know, something taken from you. It's, it's the environmental reality, right? So, um, uh, and honestly, I think maybe in, in, in uh, down the road a bit, this might be your neighbor across the street's problem you know, and not yours anymore, right? So the idea of, of the property ownership has to be um, in concert with um, access. And so we're just trying to suggest a, a reasonable way. But this attitude of, you know, um, that, uh, well, guess what? Uh, that I'll let people on my beach too is, is, is ridiculous. Um, well, his, I mean, the whole thing, my beach. Yeah. Like, okay, if it's your beach, when a cat two hurricane comes along and you wipes clean. it out, then you, you can pay you can pay for it to be replenished, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right. Because that's going to be Rhode Island taxpayers. Yeah, if it's your beach, right? right? Own it. It's your beach. <laughs> yeah, own it. Own it, then, buddy. Because you're not going to want to own it. So I think you know, Peter. Like you look at you look at these issues, and so you know, as the Guides Association moves forward, mm -hmm. we have bad management. We have bad policy. We have, you know, all of these things that we're trying to, you know, not understanding really anything that goes on in the ocean very well. Right. Uh, and just going on, going on what we call the best available science. Right. Um, and, and then on top of all this, you have people who are basically saying, I don't want you. I don't want to look at you when right. I'm making breakfast, even though I bought a house on the beach. Cause I think, I think if you boil it down, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. And these are not people who have 36 foot contenders. No, right. Right. These are people who, if they don't have that little area to fish on the shoreline, they might not be fishermen anymore. Right. I mean, I did, have you know? a, I said, you know, um, I said, you know, I had a slide also, who are these people? Like, cause I really wanted a guy, you know, in an apron making eggs, looking out the window and going to himself with like a, whatever those balloons, you know, thought balloons, you know, who are these people? Yeah, and I yeah. said, you know, here's a partial list, you know, and one of the things I think is so beautiful about having a passion like fishing, and I'm sure there's others and it's that way too, but having a passion is the people, they're the people you meet along the way that you likely otherwise would not have met. Right. Because you yep. travel in a circle that you travel in, but fishing connects you. Maybe golf does, too, but I'm just not interested. But, you know, fishing connects you um, to uh, people. So I, I said, here's a partial list of who's on the beach. You know, first responders, school teachers, bank presidents, subsistence fishermen, chefs, bussers, tradesmen, farmers. You know, it's all of us. And. Uh, we're, you know, and then I, then I, uh, I know, you know, I like this quote, but there's this idea that we're all equal before fish, you know, and it's, it's, um, Herbert it's Hoover, if I'm not mistaken, I think you're right. right. I think you're right. I think it was Herbert Hoover that said that. And, um, you know, and I said, you know, smart politicians would call, call, quote, these people constituents, you know, <laughs> that's really what they are, you know, and we're a big group 
uh, an economically powerful group, but very hard to, um, you know, uh, to uh, focus on um, anything in particular because you're so hard to access as, you know, as, as uh, differentiated as we are. But um, we need politicians to um, represent us in these situations. You know, we need um, their help. The, you know, the, 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 um, the public has a right here and um, it's getting chipped away at. And so, you know, we're hoping here to, to hold the line. I know it's happening everywhere else. I hope, um, you know, that, that this is a, um, you know, that uh, some of the stuff that we learned along the way, we can share with the next neighboring state or somewhere, you know, down the coast. But I think it's, you know, that's what it boils down to is this access and, and the kind of things you have to do to preserve it. But it's show up and testify or like the guide association. No, we don't have um, membership. Stand up for it. Yeah. 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 We don't have membership. We have members, but we're not asking for money. We want your head and your heart, you know, to show up when we need it to, to uh, advocate for, for things that are important to you, things that you're passionate about. And, um, you know, part and parcel of that, at least here in Rhode Island is to work on access, both that horizontal access we're talking about, or the perpendicular axis we're talking about and the horizontal axis, which is to, to get to the beach itself. So I, I do um, sense, and I think it's true across the country, but I do sense here that there's more and more attention and demand by the public to get back and, you know, and, and clean up. Like just this past week in Newport, um, you know, there was an agreement between the attorney general and some landowner to take the, you know, rose bushes out of the uh, cart path that has existed to the uh, ocean here in Newport for, you know, a hundred, you know, since the founding fathers or something, it's been there for a very long time. And they, he just planted it over and, you know, had to go to court and do all this to get it back. So I think it's a long slog of a fight, but it's about showing up. So Peter, I'm going to, I, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that like have resonated and I, and one of them is this, that it seems to me that politicians these days base their policy off mega donors mm-hmm. and not their constituents. You brought up the, you brought up the constituent factor and, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not talking about the current administration or the past administration. I'm talking about the last 20 years. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about the money last pol- 20 years. Money in politics. Yeah. That, that, you know, how many, how many of our listeners feel like they have someone who represents them that represents them? Yeah. You know, like, and it's, it's because it's getting, a, it's, it's both sides are so polarized and they're, you know, they're going to these fringe extremes and you and I have had this conversation a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I think 80, 80% of America is somewhere not too far off the 50 yard line. Yeah, I agree. With and you. and man, wouldn't it be cool if we were if we were managed that way by our elected leaders. Yeah. So that kind of brings me to the next thing and I've I've said this on the podcast before. You know, Rhode Island is a pretty a pretty heavily democrat yeah. run state and has yeah. been for a long time. Right. Traditionally. So Everyone would kind of, you know, if you're thinking about past history and who's supposed to represent who, you would think that this wouldn't be an issue because let's get let's get real. These are super 
old money, deep pockets, folks who are mad because somebody left a plastic bag on the beach and, you know, they can't ever let it go. And they're going to use their influence to make sure that those ruffians don't obscure my view of the ocean because my granddaddy invented corrugated cardboard boxes. Right. So like (laughs) you wouldn't think you wouldn't think that would resonate, but it is. And, and if you, we go back a step further in the whole history of the country and you look at you look at the history of the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, out of the ten most conservation-minded presidents out there that ever were, five were Republican and five were Democrat. Right. Number There's one, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. There's your fifty-yard line, Teddy Roosevelt, right? Who is a right. who is a hero of mine, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you can give a speech, a presidential speech, get shot in the chest jump down, beat the tar out of the guy, and then get back up on the podium and finish your speech before they take you to the hospital, I'll vote for you 10 out of 10 times, buddy. Like that's, you're speaking, you're speaking my (laughs) language, Teddy. So, you know, with the national park system and everything, Teddy, Teddy ends up number one. Obama's number two um, with the, with the, you know, the expansion of a lot of parks, creation of some, creation of, creation of protected areas in the ocean. You know, he he he's number two. But, you know, you start getting into like a little bit more obscure ones. You know, who who signed the Clean Air Act? Who signed the Clean Water Act? Who created the Environmental Protection Agency? I guarantee you people right now listening to this have like all these names running through their head and I'm going to blow their mind. Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon did it. Richard Nixon created the EPA because there were seven or eight different agencies that weren't talking to each other. And he right. thought it would be smaller government if you all put them under the same roof, yeah. right? So, okay. like, you know, look, what we do, what we do knows no party, no right. party whatsoever. And it's for the best of everyone. It's for the I best agree. for the kayakers, the bird watchers, the people who like jogging on the beach, the people who like fishing, the commercial fishermen, the recreational right. fishermen healthy resource, abundant populations, and don't tell us we can't fish in places that we fished for a hundred years. Look, I understand why they did it. And this, this kind of stuff scares the hell out of me. And I understand this. Okay. But it's like you said, it's death by a thousand cuts. So in the Chesapeake Bay before 9-11, we could fish the nuke plants like Calvercliffs nuclear plant. We could fish the uh, the the liquid natural gas docks, which is like a two mile long hunk of concrete in the middle of the bay. And Peter, it has a I swear to you, perpendicular to the current, it has a tube, an underground tube, because this gas dock is a couple of miles offshore, and the tube is covered in rocks. And the workers ride a bicycle from land. They're underground huh. in that little tube and they go up to the gas docks to work. Do you know how good an underground tube that can fit a couple yeah. of bicycles wide, covered in rocks, perpendicular to the current that runs yeah. like two Sounds miles long? You know how good that is for fishing on uh, fly fishing, drifting a fly over that? We can't sure, go sure, near sure. it. We can't grow yeah. within 500 yards of it. And like, okay, I get it. It's liquid natural gas. It's a little flammable, you know, it's a nuclear power plant, 
But like now we drive by those places and all we have is memories. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And they're huge chunks of the bay. Peter, I drifted over the buoy, my God, probably 15 years ago by accident. I was, I was working breaking birds. I didn't even notice it. I was in my old sea craft and I look up and I, the buoy was just over my bow. And I got a Coast Guard boat coming at me with a with a 243 trained on my boat. And I'm like, hey, man, like, these aren't even big fish. I'm good. I'll go home. Like, I, you know, don't worry about it, man. Like, I, it was a mistake. But, like, who the hell wants to do that just from fishing, right? I don't right. want to deal with that shit. I don't want somebody, you know, what if the kid on the boat, what if they hit a wake and his finger hit the trigger? Like, that's all. You put a hole in my boat. Me and you are having a we're having a conversation. So, yeah, um, similar treatment here near the near the War College, you know. Um, but uh, you, you, they've got some buoys that partition off a pretty good area, and the folks that work on the base actually have it pretty good because they can, you know, kayak fish and things like that from the base as uh, yeah. part of the Navy. Um, and the Albies will get in there and run in a circle, and they've got them, you know, basically private Albie water. Private Albie uh, fishing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Peter, the thing is, like, we'll never get those spots back, right? And I understand 9-11 happened, and it was – but, like, when you start talking about just being able to walk down a beach mm -hmm. and they're pulling that away from you, I mean, that's an issue, right? Yeah. I can accept the nuke plant, the LNG plant post 9-11. I can, I, I can accept that. At There's least I'm old enough to where I fished it. Like, I got to see it in its heyday when they were actually fishing the bay. But, like, taking taking this away from, like, blue-collar moms and dads who want to take their kids fishing and can't can't pluck seventy or $80,000 down on a boat or another 8000 down for, for a dock for the year, you know, that's that's pretty shitty. Like, that's, that's really shitty. No, I'm not even talking about, like, the Sharpie surf guys. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, one of the main reasons, uh, you know, these they went and got these royal charters back in the day, you know, Roger Williams for Rhode Island, but Massachusetts, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, as I described earlier, um, is they had, you know, it's freedom of religion and this freedom of access to the shore were two of the consistent, you know, tenets in the, in the original frameworks. Right. It was important then yeah. because back in the UK, those fish were the king's fish. You king's know, fish, uh, man. Don't get don't right? shoot a rabbit. Don't shoot and a so rabbit now, or God help you, a red stag, you know? Right. So now um, it's almost as though you have a, quote, a castle here uh, on the water and you're a king again. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and the kind of dynamic situation you have in, uh, along the coast is something we have to uh, think about how to deal with. But it's not to 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 abandon the traditions of, you know, of, of why someone might want to live in Rhode Island, you know? Um, and it's uh, that's one of the main reasons is the freedom to access and use the shore. It's a compelling reason to visit for tourism, and it's a compelling reason to stay. These northeast states are getting smaller. People are leaving, right, uh, for warmer climes or better economic opportunities. And you know, here is a uh, here's another good reason to stay here. So, well, Peter, you know, let me tell you. I mean, effort. you don't y'all don't know so, what you have. You right. don't know what you have. Because like there's not many states like New Jersey, incredible beach access. 
I mean, fantastic beach access. You can go just about anywhere. They have Island Beach State Park, eight miles of beaches, like phenomenal beach access. New York, not so much. Right. Connecticut, not so eh. much. Massachusetts, you know, you got all those all those guys piled into the Cape Cod Canal and everywhere else is kind of Maryland, nothing. You I could put our access on a postage stamp. Again, and but what it's what I see is a Maryland native. Well, not a Maryland God, God Lord. I did not say that. I'm not a Maryland native. <laughs> as a down. Maryland resident, strike me down, God. As a as a Maryland resident, um, I am watching. I am watching with my own eyes because we're battling iPads and YouTube and everything yeah. else. The kids are bombarded with twenty four hours a day. They, there's nowhere. The only way they can go fishing is if their their parents or their grandparents have like access to the water or a boat or they have waterfront property and it's like a whole generation is just getting erased and right. you, you look forward a couple of generations and then you think like what do you okay got? well who's gonna who's gonna protect the water because we're the ones who protect the water hey and like no offense but i'm i'm sorry like you know, this pisses me off. You know, we pay for our licenses. We we pay taxes on fishing equipment. Anything that anything that we produce. If I'm a rod maker, I automatically yeah. boom. You know, ten percent excise tax on anything I make. Anything we pay, fishermen do pay their way. There's some states that don't charge for licenses, and that's that's not smart. But we we pay our way, and and bird watchers don't. And kayakers don't, and yeah. and runners don't, and mountain bikers don't. We do, and right. and we kind of constantly get the short end of the friggin' stick. Many times over, you know. Um, Many times the, over. Yeah, the you know we we are at the end of the day we're constituents, and we need legislation um, to reconcile, you know, at least in Rhode Island, this constitutional right with the environmental reality. You know, it's a just a different situation you have to and but I, I i sense i'm optimistic that um you know the um the uh property rights uh guy um talked about this right to exclude it's the you know it's a freedom of private property is to exclude people from your property right uh and that's um you know it's a it, that's a, a freedom and a and a uh, you know, uh, an important underlying, um, you know, framework of, of how we operate as society, right? But um, the water is in the, in the environment um, isn't following that certainty. You know what I mean? The, the, the situation is dynamic and changing. So we need a, um, a, uh, a boundary that's easy to interpret. And uh, we need to recognize that it's a dynamic situation and we need a boundary to interpret so that we can protect that right to exclude. You are trespassing. You are, you, you know, you will be arrested. And here you are uh, on the other side of this boundary, uh, free to enjoy the shore for fishing, um, you know, strike, uh, drinking naked and fires, you know, fires. Uh, yeah. I think, those... look, I'm going to, I'm going to side with Harry homeowner on the fires <laughs> and the drinking. I'm on yeah. the fence with the naked, right? I take that on yeah, a case no, by case basis. I tried to fun with that. Those senator people didn't laugh, but I tried to. They didn't laugh. I'm, I'm, sh <laughs> I'm shocked, that, Peter, that they didn't laugh. 
I'm also shocked that you tried to have fun with it, you know, like, uh, because it's, yeah, you can't, you can't throw a meatball, but like that by us, right. We're yeah. going to take a swing right. at it, but uh, you know, like you're right. You're right. I, there's probably things that have happened on their property that are wrong. Yeah. And, Believe and, you know, Peter, we, there was a, there was an article the other day and you know, we're, we're neck deep in snakeheads. And yeah, yeah. Blackwater Wildlife Refuge, which is like 40 minutes from my house, um, is the is the highest population of snakeheads anywhere in North America. I, I would probably say the world. Um, yeah. They are loaded with snakeheads. So they caught a guy. They caught three guys a few weeks ago, and they had 230 bank poles. So a bank pole is just a stick a willow branch, whatever, that wow. you just put a piece of bait on and stick into the mud. And they had set up 234 of them. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because it wasn't but a couple of months ago where the people in the county, Dorchester County, where Blackwater is, went up in arms because everyone on God's green earth was driving here, leaving trash, throwing babies' diapers in the marsh, leaving tangled line everywhere, and really ruining, ruining, yeah. you know, a very pretty, a national wildlife refuge, like a very pretty piece of nature, and treating it totally disrespectfully. So, like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I, I empathize, right? And And we have to work it out, and we have to be respectful as fishermen, clean up after each other, call each other out, police each other, do all of these things, you know, call, how about, how about, you know, call the police, call, call Mr. Green Jeans, as I like to call him, uh, our, our wonderful officers at Natural Resources Police, you know, I love you all. Uh, so call Mr. Green Jeans when you see three guys set up 230 bank holes in a national wildlife refuge. But I don't know if that's happening by y'all. I don't know. Is it? I mean, are, are there like these huge egregious violations occurring? Yeah, they catch, these they catch just... uh, regularly catch people overfishing things like uh, black sea bass or tatog. And uh, they've actually done a pretty good job short of naming their names, you know, every time. But they catch them and they, they put their, their um, you know, their uh, um, catch on, on, um, the DEM website and, and congratulate themselves on a good job. And it is a good job. We need them uh, out there, um, you know, enforcing. No, but I'm talking but, about leaving junk and ruining, you yeah, know, are these, are um, these people in their mansions walking out and seeing babies diapers, 30 baby diapers sitting on, yeah, sitting on their front know, porch kind it, of thing. But there you go. I mean, I've been fishing for, you know, 55 years and I've never changed the diaper, you know, uh, while I'm fishing, you know what I mean? It's, it's you know you couldn't lump them all in and call it safe. And you have and, and you have three kids too. Yeah, I don't know that Man, that's really necessarily the fisherman doesn't make it bad, uh, doesn't make it okay, and and not disrespectful. That's what it is. That might be a little yeah. bit of a society condition. And I think also you have to recognize that um, you know there's a lot of different um, cultures um, that fish. You know, and and some of them fish as families, and that's not you know. That's closer to where the diapers are coming from, you know, a family that fishes sure. for the day, um, you know, for scup or or some bottom fish that they, live, you know, take home to eat, you know. Um, so 
that, that sometimes it's harder to communicate and, and um, maybe uh, uh, make them aware of the law, but it is their obligation as a citizen to be aware of the it's law. Your responsibility. And, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's your, and it hurts. And when they don't, when anyone acts like an idiot, anyone. Yeah. I mean, I know people who've, believe me, I got, I got piles of people I know that act like idiots. You got to call them out because they're hurting. Right. They're hurting everyone. They're hurting me. Right. They're hurting we you. We get painted with a pretty broad brush in that situation. Fishermen do, you know. Yeah, a hundred, like hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, I fished for fifty-five years or something. I've never changed the diaper. I could say something funny right now, but I know I, I can know tell you your boys. Smirk and, on your face. You got. And you I, got I, a good one. I can say. Let's not. I said, well, you. You only changed four in your whole life, so like, what, you know, <laughs> none of those took place on the water. No, nah, but his Peter's Peter's son is in the NCAA soccer tournament. He's the captain of his team. Um, it's fun stuff. And and Peter has been between giving us his time and doing testimony for shorebound anglers in Rhode Island. Peter's probably put a hundred thousand miles on his truck going yeah. back and forth to see his son play soccer. And and they just won their regional championship and got an invite to the NCAA finals. So everyone everyone root for Dell, yeah, uh, Peter's boy. Go Dell, baby. You can do it, Dell. Ride, ride it. Ride it all the way, man. I want to see you with that trophy in your hands. There so, you Peter, I, you know, thank you for being Peter. Um, <laughs> you know, you're – you – absolutely do not have the word quit in your soul um i'm very proud to call you my friend uh i love working with you on this stuff you got the heart of a freaking lion and uh and and i think i think me and you are so similar sometimes that we butt heads but you know there ain't no quit in us and exactly. and the world the world needs a few more peter jenkins and maybe we won't have these problems